Thanks for joining us for this edition of Forward Church Online. Today's podcast was recently recorded at one of our live worship experiences. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. If you brought your word, let's go to the book of Jonah, and we're gonna we're gonna just hit the last of uh, of chapter three. We're gonna go to verse ten, then we're gonna slide right through uh, chapter four. That is the last um, last chapter in the book. All right, here we go. So Jonah chapter three verse ten says, "When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways." Turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he, God, had threatened. All right, now let's go into verse 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, this, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. Sound like he's giving God some smack talk, don't it? That's like dangerous. I mean, he's already been in the whale. Come on now. Yeah. I knew that you are a that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, "Have have you any right to be angry?" Jonah went out and sat down at the place. It's so funny. God asked him a question. What did Jonah do? He didn't even respond. He turned and walked away and went and sat outside the city. So Jonah went out and sat at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head. To ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered away. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head. How many know God has a way of getting your attention? (laughs) When you get comfort, oh, I love this vine. Man, it's providing shade. God says, oh, you're comfortable with it. Didn't want to talk to me. Watch what I'm fixing to do. God provided a worm, ate the thing up, and it died. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. How many would agree that Jonah is drama? I mean, he just dramatifies everything. He's real dramatic. I would rather die than sit out here and take this, take this heat. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? Funny, he's asking the same question he didn't get an answer to the first time. Do you even have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned with that great city? I want to speak to you for just a few moments tonight from the subject, unexpected interruptions. Unexpected interruptions. How many know what an interruption is? 
We don't like interruptions. So I want to speak to you for just a moment on unexpected interruptions. So we know we've been, if you've not been here and kind of just fallen into this, yes, we're talking about Jonah. It's probably the parts that you're familiar with. Jonah is a man. He was a prophet. He was called of God to, to go to Nineveh to speak to the people of that day. And he didn't want to have anything to do with what God asked him to do. So he jumps on a ship. Um, instead of going 500 miles to where he was asked to go, he jumps on a ship to go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. There's a storm. Y'all know the story. There's a storm. It grows. The people on the ship say, hey, what's going on? Who's responsible? Jonah says, hey, it's me. I'm running from God. They throw him overboard. Jonah's thinking he's going to die. But then God provides a whale, swallows him whole. While he's down there right where God intended him to be, the conversation picks back up between God and Jonah. And so he makes things right between, with, with God. God causes the whale to throw him up, spit him up onto the shore, and he goes on to Nineveh. And that's where we picked up. And, and, and last week we finished where, where the people, uh, it was from back in those days, historians would, t- would want us to believe, if I can get all this out with my words, want us to understand that this was one of the greatest revivals that ever hit the world at that time. And, and Jonah was responsible for being a part of that. I mean, he got, he got a second chance. He was given a second chance to do that. God moved all these people. God spared their lives. He'd already said, this is the time frame. I'm going to destroy the city. That did not happen. They came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And now Jonah is mad. He's mad about it. God moved. God used him. And now Jonah's angry. But we're going to break down tonight exactly what was going The thing that I've been saying through this whole series is this. This story is more than a story of a storm, a fish, and some dude that smells like fish vomit. Okay, There's more to the story than just that. It's it's really, it's it's, kind of like like fat on a steak. How many like steak? See, I relate everything to food. I'm I'm sorry, I just bring you back. It's kind of like fat on a steak. See, we know all about the moments. We know about the fish and the storm and and, and throwing up and and all that. But there were intricate details. Everybody say details. Those moments that led up to what God was trying to do. And see, the moments are like fat on a steak. If you're like me, you cut that stuff off. But now there are people in the room that would tell you that steak is that good because of that fat. How many steak lovers that just will cut that nasty white stuff up and eat it? You can have all mine. Okay? But, but we're, not interested in, we're not interested in the fat. You know what I'm saying? It's like if somebody, somebody used to come into my office and be like, want to take me around the world to tell me one thing. I'm like, I don't need all the fat. I, don't need all, I, just, I just need the meat. Just, what are you trying to tell me? Anybody like that in the room? You don't like the details. You just want to know, <laughs> get to the point, like you're saying right now. <laughs> Man, y'all too serious tonight. I was trying to just... But, but it's, it's moments, and we tend to live life for moments. You know what I'm talking about? The students right now, what are they living for? They're living for, in just a few, few weeks, summer. Some of us as adults, we're living for a moment. It's called vacation. Yes. Amen. We, we do that in life. We live for moments, but we, we never focus on the details of what's taking place or gives, gets us to that place. And that's what I want us to strip away tonight. Strip away all the, 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 the moments that we know about the story and let's dig into the fat. Everybody say the fat. So we know Jonah ran from God. God sent a fish. God, God, he got Jonah's attention. Jonah goes to Nineveh. He's part of one of the greatest revivals of that day. However... 
The craziest thing about the story of Jonah is this. It always seems to take an unexpected turn. If you've been here for all of these, these, these messages, you've seen that. It always takes an unexpected turn. And I say that because you would think that after disobeying God, he would have got the picture. We talked about that last week, that God gave him second chance after second chance after second chance. It's no longer called second chances anymore. But after the fish and after God used him in the greatest revival, you would think that Jonah would have his head on straight. I mean, it'd be like if this, the altars got full and then I go home and get mad because God changed their life. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But in Jonah chapter 3, we see, in Jonah 3, we see what Jonah did. We saw how he ran. We saw all of what he did. But in chapter 4, we see who Jonah is. The unexpected turn happens because you think Jonah would be joyful. You would think he'd be excited, ecstatic. People got saved. He went through all of that hell, all that nastiness for a great ending. And now he's mad about it. How many have ever had God do something for you and, you, and you, I don't like the way he did it? Come on now. But God, I, I needed you to do it this way. I was bleeding for money, but I needed you to send it this way. I needed it by this date. How many knows God never, you put God on a time schedule, he never shows up. On the time frame you're trying to hold him to. God is not bound by time. Jonah was angry and upset with God. And he is still upset with the the Ninevites. What we discover here is Jonah. There's three different areas that continually. Where he continually underestimates God. And I'm of the belief that these three areas show up in our lives as well. And we're going to look at these tonight very quickly. Very quickly. Why does he underestimate God? Because there's some things that he doesn't understand about God. The very first thing we see that Jonah doesn't understand is this. God's interruptions are divine invitations. Jonah's like, God, you keep interrupting my plans. I was going the other direction. I was going to Tarshish. You showed up in the middle of the ocean and caused this Cause this massive, God's trying to get his attention. Sometimes when we're going through things, we think it's the devil causing the storm. We need to stop and try to figure out what is it that God's trying to get me to do that I could possibly be running from. It may not be the devil's fault. And he'll take the credit. He loves to cause destruction. But sometimes God is trying to get our attention because we're running from something that he is wanting us to do. Jonah 4.1, after the revival, says this, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. There's another translation that said, it seemed very wrong to Jonah. God, why? (laughs) What? Jonah's whole problem is this. He doesn't agree with God's plan. Sound like anybody familiar in the church? don't, don't, Don't think of anybody like off the top of your head. I'm just saying, in general, the church. We get mad at how God's doing it. Or God said he was going to do something, but it's not happening the way that he, I, I think it should. See? God will lay out the plan and give you the vision. But then you, 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 we try to just tell God how it needs. God, if you, would just, if you would just do it right. God, if you would just show up and worship right here. Like, I got to give him a, a, a ramp to come into worship. Uh-uh. Even going to Nineveh was an interruption to his life. 
Everybody say interruption. I know it seems like I don't want to lose you tonight, but I want to draw the parallel to there are times in our lives where God will do things and interrupt the normality of what... And I I, I like things to be... I I like consistency. I don't like things to to spring up and surprise. I don't like that. But God, when I get comfortable, and God will just throw something in there just 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 to see what I do. God will throw things out there for you just to see how you'll handle it. Just to see if you'll lose your temper. He just wants to know, will you apply the things that you hear when you're at home and, and you're drinking that coffee in the morning and you're studying God's word? I hope that's what you're doing at some point. He wants to know, will you use that? Now, if you're not doing that and when storms come, good luck, you're on your own if you haven't put something inside. We, we should be, we should be uh, 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 students of God's word. Listen, when God invites you to be on his mission... It's always going to feel like an interruption. I'm not talking about being a pastor. I'm not talking about being an evangelist. I'm talking about being a Christian. That means if you're saved, you're on a mission. And nine times out of ten, whenever God puts you on his mission, it will always feel like an interruption. I'll never forget when uh, back in, in Georgia when we moved our service as the church was growing, and it will here as well, we moved the service on Sunday from one service to two services. And then that caused to have more volunteers to take care of kids and ushers and parking and all the things that it took to run that ministry. Now we had to double it. No longer just one service. Oh, man, you would have thought we'd have thought we just told you to dump out your savings account or something. People were crying. Such an interruption. Really? So that more people can come in and hear about Jesus and it's it's an interruption. You know what an interruption is to us? It's called inconvenience. See, one day this room is going to be filled and then we're going to go to two services on Sunday. You think it's hard for you. you imagine doing the, the speaking and the singing and all that stuff. But guess what? It's going to require all of us to be inconvenienced and interrupted. Why am I telling you this? It's called preparation for God, what God wants to do. Some people have no idea. I'm just going to show up on Sundays and it's going to be this. No, no, no. God, God has on him, got you on his mission and it will always seem like an interruption. May we not be like Jonah and go, well, I'm going to go somewhere else where I'm not pushed. It's not required of me to do more. I'm not saying you're going to go miss heaven and go to hell because you're not doing that. But you're not going to have any substance because God's not using you. You're just in it for you as long as I get mine. The only reason that the book of Jonah showed up in the Bible... It was because God interrupted him. Before Jonah, you ne- there's only one time, I think it's like 1 Kings or 2 Kings, somewhere in there, you even hear the name Jonah. We know very little detail, but because God interrupted his life, he wrote a whole book about Jonah. Because Jonah was interrupted, a whole city that God was going to destroy because they were living in, in corrupt sin, killing people, shaving their skin off, cutting their heads off, God said, enough is enough. But because God interrupted his life, a city was spared. Because God interrupted a small congregation in the back of an old Walmart because they allowed themselves to be interrupted from their normal life, the city was set on fire for Jesus Christ. And the city was flipped upside down because some people said, oh, it may be inconvenience to me, but it's cool because I know that God is using me to touch other people. Oh, I was talking about you, by the way. It's only because of God's interruption that an entire city was given a second chance. Sometimes I feel like Jonah in the move to ch- back to Chiefland. And 
telling God no. God interrupted my plans. God interrupted what I wanted. Maybe in your own way. I know if I was where you are tonight, I would, if my heart was, God, I want to be, be, be on point for you. In my own way, I'd just be saying, God, you can interrupt me anytime you want to. You can switch it up anytime you want to. Like, that's what I'm saying to him in my, in my spirit right now. And I'm, I'm urging you to be saying the same things. See, it's not just about coming and hearing a message. It's about, it's got, you got to identify with it so it can change your life and change your home. Some of y'all are living in hell. Some of y'all got turmoil. Some of you got chaos and stress. God's saying, if you'll just let me interrupt that. Oh, pardon me. You got a bunch of junk going on in your life. Excuse me. That's why I say, God, just come in right here. Just take over. Have your way. That's just how I would handle it. But see, interruptions with God are actually invitations. His interruption is an invitation for you to step into what he wants for your life. But tonight, I believe that many of us need to change our perspective on how we view life when we get interrupted. I know how I view it. I, I get, when I get interrupted, I get mad. Matter of fact, we don't like interruptions so much that some techie geek somewhere in the, on planet Earth created this thing called DVR so that we don't have to be interrupted when our favorite show comes on. When our game comes on, when family members just show up at the house uninvited, that's called an interruption. So what do we do? Click pause. I don't have to worry about it no more. That's how much we don't like to be interrupted. But when God does it, oh, come on in. Whatever you want, come on in. He'll interrupt a service. He'll disrupt worship. When you say, God, it's all about you, he wants to know, do you mean that it's all about me? If it's all about me, then let me show up and let me have the service. Well, that's what we should say about our lives every day. God, it's, it's all, it, it belongs to you. We hate interruptions. We hate interruptions. I catch myself a lot of times. Amy will tell you, she's not here tonight, but she likes to tell stories, and I like to tell stories. I like to tell more details about it. I like to paint you the picture. But early on in our marriage, I was real guilty. I was guilty a lot, and she would always remind me, you, you just kept doing it. I would inter- when she'd be telling her, her, her friend a story, I would always interrupt her and, and tell, or tell details, let them know, just paint a better picture. I thought I was painting a better picture than she was. And she would always get home, and she'd go, you keep interrupting me. I've really worked real hard on it. We've been married almost 15 years. Just in the last year have I really made a conscious effort, and I'm actually doing a pretty good job, if I do say so myself. But she would get to the place where I would interrupt her right in the middle. She'd just stop. And I'm like, why'd you stop? I don't want to tell my story anymore. You ever been there? Anybody ever? I don't want to tell my story anymore. We're the same way with God. We get frustrated with God. And now we don't even want to do it anymore. It'd be like we moved down here and, and it's not happening like I thought it was, God. So guess what? I don't even want to do it anymore. God, you, 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 you started something in my marriage and, and things started working out. We went to a marriage conference. And things started looking good. And, and now there's a little rough road. God, I don't even want to try anymore. See, we don't like interruptions. We don't like inconvenience. How many notice this story tonight is not even really about Jonah. It's about you. It's about me. Remember what I told you. It's more than just the fish. It's all about the details that make up what, what really was going on in Jonah. Not what Jonah did, but who Jonah was. You can come in here and serve and buy all the eggs. You could have wrote a check for all 30,000. doesn't matter what you did. It matters with who you are. 
Doesn't matter if I get up here and worship and go home and act like a hellion to my family. I'm not saying that I do. I'm just trying to paint a picture. Now, don't go asking Amy, is he really? No. But I'm saying, it doesn't matter what you do. It's who you are. It's who you are. God looks at the heart. He's not looking at the outward stuff. We, God, I don't even want to, I, I quit. I don't even want to finish. The problem is we have the wrong perspective. Listen, every time you delay what God's told you to do, and every time you disobey what God's told you to do, it's not him interrupting your story. You're interrupting his. It's his story. So when we're getting interrupted, we like, God, you're messing, you're messing it up. No, no, no. You're messing it up for him because you won't do it. Because I won't do it. Listen, God has a story and God has a plan and he's waiting on you and I to get on board so that he can work through you. The second mistake that Jonah makes where he underestimates is that God's grace is for every race. You can write that down. God's grace is for every race. We try to apply it where we think it's necessary or where we think it's needed. How are we doing at being a steward of God's grace? Listen, Jonah leads the people to God. He should be happy, but now he's mad and he's angry. So angry that he goes outside the city wall and has a pity party. What we discover about Jonah in chapter 4 is who Jonah really is. See, it wasn't that Jonah was just afraid of Nineveh. Listen. Remember we talked about that. We thought he said no because he was afraid that he was going to kill. It's not that he was afraid he was going to get killed. We read it in his word. He said, God, I didn't want to go because I knew this was going to happen. You were going to give them a second. You were going to save them. What? I was reading that going, I don't don't understand. (laughs) I didn't want to go because I knew that you were rich in mercy and you were going to be love and compassionate. And I knew you were going to give them a second chance. Is this not the same cat that just got spit up out of a fish who God gave him second, third, fourth, fifth chance? And he gets to decide who gets the grace. It's a picture of the church today in America. Remember what I said? We're cool when people sin like us, but when their sin looks different than ours, oh, no, 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 no. See, we, try, we, put, we put sin on a scale based on what ours is, and oh, well, then mine deserves more grace than you should get. That's real church. But it's not the church. It's kind of preaching to get people mad at you. That's okay. But it's true. It's not Christianity. It's not the gospel. Listen, it's not the amount of sin. You sin more than me. No, it's not the amount. It's the effect of sin. Write that down. It's not the amount of sin. There's no big sins, little sins. Oh, you sinned a little bit. I'm like, eh. No, it's the effect of sin. Sin leads to one thing. It's not, about, it's not about a certain amount. It's about, is sin present? It's not, well, what kind of, well, what kind of sin do you have, brother? What's your sin? It's not what it is. It's, it's, it's the effect of sin. Jonah is sitting here with... With a self-righteous attitude. As though they don't deserve grace. But he does. Listen, I wrote this down. A religious person always judges others by what they do. And judges themselves by what they want to do. 
religious people. Oh, I've seen them. They sat in a church in Georgia with me. Sat, sat on the board. Ripped me a new one right before worship. And I was in my office crying because I was blown away. Religious people. Evil people. Always wanting to look and see what you did. But God loves religious people too, don't get me wrong. Man, he must really hate. No, I have no hate. But I have the, the heart of God that is crying out for them to change their ways because you're leading people astray and you're causing people to walk out of churches because you've got this self-righteous attitude that's not the gospel. This message is a little different from last week. Last week, was, it was empowering. It was, yes, and some funny moments. But tonight, there's a, it's a slice or dice. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just cutting all the junk away. That, maybe that's why I'm feeling a little push right there. But The scary thing that we discover in Jonah 4 is you can do the will of God, but you may not have the heart of God. You can do the will. He could show up in Nineveh and God used him. God will use an ass. He'll use a donkey. We've seen that in scripture. Excuse my French, but it's true. God will use somebody jacked up. But that doesn't describe who you are. You can do the will of God, but you may not have his heart. And let me tell you something. After a while, people can feel that you're fake and you're phony and, and all those things. And what, what are they talking about? I see your heart. When people look into your heart, what do they see? Do they see a hard, callous, cold heart? Or do they see a heart that is full of love and compassion? Sure, I've been done wrong, or you've done me wrong, or whatever. But, but they're noticing that there's something different because your heart is a heart of compassion. We've forgotten what the gospel message is all about. Listen, sin doesn't make you bad. Sin makes you dead. Write that down. Sin doesn't make you a bad person, but it will cause you to be a dead person. Dead man walking. It's not the amount of sin, it's the effects of sin. In closing, listen, Jonah missed it. Jonah missed it. God loves Nineveh. God loves Nineveh. How do I know that? Because God is love. It's his character. It's his DNA. It's his identity. He can't deny himself. Remember, God was the one that said, if you don't turn from your ways, I'm going to destroy you, your family, the city. Wipe it clean. So God, God had an agenda. But he saw their heart. And we, we went through all of that last week of how they were showing God I'm, I, whatever it takes to show you that God I, I admit I was wrong and I turned to you God saw that and he changed his plan of destruction and he gave them a second chance man I don't know about you but you look around the, the landscape of Chiefland ain't nothing changing ain't nothing growing it looks kind of dead I'm not even talking about spiritually I'm just talking about just Man, God is looking for some people who will stand up and say, I want to stand in the gap for my city. I didn't come back to Chiefland. This is me. I didn't come back here to look at the south side of town and look at stuff just devastated and looking like junk. I didn't come back to see that. 
Even, even when I was in corporate America, I showed up on my job to make change. I wasn't satisfied with status quo. What you trying to push us to, Pastor Bradley? I'm pushing you to. God wants you to do something to be, to be change. One person. But imagine what all of us, if we showed up our job and go, man, we got to change. So when I say, man, invite people to church on Sunday, it's not to have numbers. We say, woohoo, we had a great service on Easter Sunday. No, it's the people who are hurting that need to know that God loves them in spite of it. And God wants to help and walk you through the rough places of your life. He wants to restore your marriage. He wants to restore relationships. Stop praying for things that you're not willing. Stop pleading for God to change an area in your life if you're not willing to step up and do something to help the process. I'm sick of people praying, God, but then you just use it to get attention. You don't really want God to show up because it would change your landscape. Family members that have hurt you, family members that keep messing up, family members that just get on your nerves. Stop praying for God to change it if you're not willing to release it and let it go. Stop harboring things. Listen. Your friend that opposes God at work, wherever, God loves them. Family member that has hurt you and made mistakes over and over and over, God loves them. People who believe another faith, God loves them. People who have adopted an alternative lifestyle, God loves them. God is looking for people who will not just seek grace for themselves, but extend grace to others. Why? Because it's who He is. We all need, I could say, who needs grace in here? Everybody, we all need grace. Every, I need grace every day. Because I'm human and I, I, I'm not perfect. I need grace. We all do. But tonight I'm wondering, would there be anybody that would just slip their hand up and go, you know what? I need to release grace and give it away. Listen to what I'm saying now. We need grace. But, there, we, but who would say, I need to give grace. I need to release grace and give it away. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.